the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What's going on at the White House? I mean, other than the fact that the government probably isn't being run by the obviously demented and corrupt person they say is Joe Biden, and it's probably being run by Barack Obama. And I'm not talking about the commander-in-chief here. I'm talking about commander, as in commander the dog. He's the Biden's family pet, happens to be a German shepherd. And at last count, I think he was up to 12 White House staff and or Secret Service agents that he's bitten. Of course, as with everything else uh, with this group, uh, trying to get information about it, it's like pulling teeth. Secret Service has acknowledged 11 reported biting incidents involving Secret Service personnel, but CNN is reporting that the real number is higher, and it it includes executive resident staff and other White House workers. And according to CNN, the bites have, quote, ranged in severity from one bite requiring hospital treatment to some requiring attention from White House unit medical staff. Apparently, Commander has finally been removed from the White House grounds, but if you're dealing with intelligent human beings, you know, who are supposed to be smarter than the dog, you would think that maybe one or two would have been enough. I mean, one or two bites. Uh, The fate of the world is not hanging in the balance here because of an aggressive dog at the White House, but it's really not a small thing. For one thing, it's another example of the Biden administration being sneaky. It's another example of Joe Biden and maybe Dr. Jill thinking they're above the law or better than everybody else. But even more than that, it's another sign of the Biden family just being really dumb. How many presidents have had dogs over the years? How many of them in their at least four years living in the White House had even one incident of a dog biting someone, especially biting someone from the Secret Service? And this is the second dog that the Bidens have had that they had to remove from the premises because it was biting people. Now, lots of people have dogs. Most of them, most of the people, I mean, are able to keep them under control. So how stupid do you have to be to allow your dog to bite more than one or two people? At some point, you either get a trainer to find out why he's doing it and how you can prevent it, or, you know, you keep him restrained and don't let him be around people if he's not on a leash. There isn't somewhere in the White House where a dog could be confined when there are people around. And as anybody who has ever trained dogs will tell you, when you train a family dog, which is what Commander is, you're really training the people. The dog is a dog. And the way the dog behaves is a reflection on the people he lives with. And if he's biting people on a regular basis, the people he lives with are either really stupid really inconsiderate and maybe a little mean. In this case, it may be all three. But it speaks volumes about what a clueless moron we have living in the White House right now. When we come back, uh, speaking of the White House, how would you like to have Nikki Haley living there in 2025? We'll have author Peachy Keenan here to tell you why she refers to uh, Nikki as Nikki Rodham 
Haley. Stick around. Well, as far as I know, uh, Nikki Haley is still running for president. I'm pretty sure I saw her trying to scream over top of all those men at the Republican debate last week. Peachy Keenan is a senior contributor to The Federalist. She's also author of The Domestic Extremist, A Practical Guide to Winning the Culture War. She joins us now. Peachy, thanks for coming back on the show. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. So you refer to uh, her as <laughs> Nick, that's bad, Nikki Rodham Haley. Um, it can't be a yeah. good thing for any Republican woman to be compared to her, can it? Uh, yeah, well, unfortunately for her in this case, it's pretty accurate. Yeah, well, why? Um, well, you know, I didn't know anything really about her, and I've never really loved her. I've always considered myself, you know, never Nikki. Um, but I started doing some research into her background, and I was sort of surprised to know that she does have a similar um, origin story to Hillary Clinton. She is, you know, she's made million, $11 million from speaking arrangements in the last few years since she left the governorship, and she has parlayed her U.N. ambassadorship, which she was under Donald Trump, into quite a lucrative career for her and her husband, taking money from various defense-related sort of shadowy non-governmental organizations. And here she is calling for more war abroad. Um, It just seems like it's just struck me like, oh, she is a little bit like Hillary Clinton. Like, is there no other way for a woman to enter politics but to follow in Hillary's footsteps as a sort of corrupt establishment figure? I mean, we just don't need her anywhere near the White House. She, um, as you mentioned, she makes a lot. She made a lot of money, $11 million, as you said, um, speaking. That's a lot of money to speak. I I just never got the impression that she was that, why she would be that much in demand. I don't consider her someone who, you know, knocks me out when she gives a speech. Who, Who would pay that kind of money for her to speak to them? Yeah, I mean, if you've heard Nikki Haley's voice, I mean, I would pay $11 million not to hear her voice. I mean, frankly. <laughs> so, I mean, there has to be reasons. You know, you pay you pay someone money for, quote, speaking fees, and then lo and behold, a favor comes through later. I mean, who knows yeah. what she's up to? I don't know. I just, I don't really trust her. And actually, today I, I tweeted a video from earlier this year of her talking about why she's so adamant that we basically write a blank check to Ukraine, of all places. Um, and she's saying it's for freedom. We just have no choice. It's, quote, for freedom, which is like a trigger word for boomers. You know, they hear the word freedom, defending freedoms, and they think, oh, it's like saving Private Ryan. This is we're fighting the Nazis. Um, no, I mean, <laughs> I'm not sure where the connection between our freedoms here and Ukraine, like fighting Russia. I don't I don't see any connection, frankly. And I'm a little offended. I mean, I have felt that my personal freedoms here at home are kind of being taken away. I mean, Free speech, election integrity, you know, the freedom to not get a vaccine, to not have my children, you know, confused about their gender, it, it, my freedom from crime, you know. I mean, it feels like I would really rather these politicians care a little bit more about my everyday freedoms than the freedoms of some people far away that really don't seem to affect us at all. Yeah, um, she seems to be, Would I don't know, seems to me anyway, she might be the most hawkish person running for president <laughs> right now. Yeah, I mean, maybe the Ukrainians are giving her, you know, promising her more million-dollar speaking arrangements. I mean, I don't really understand, frankly, the bigger picture, the the Republican establishment pushing to fund Ukraine with, with no real plan, 
no real end game. What does winning look like? Are we, is it, I mean, to me, it's like, is it, does it end in a nuclear war? Like, where are we going here? And I mean, I've said this, been saying this for a couple of years now. You know, I have two teenage boys. And one of them's about to get his selective service card in the mail, you know, and mm-hmm. I want to be sending them off to college in the next couple of years, not off to boot camp as a conscript in some, you know, unwinnable war. I mean, that really does keep me up at night. And I know a lot of moms have told me they also are concerned about that. And so I'd like I'd like our future president, you know, to be a peacemaker. When did peace become a bad word? And I don't I think a lot of women like Hillary Clinton and Haley and Nikki Haley I think they feel like if they want to like be one of the guys and running for president, they have to look and act tough. That doesn't that doesn't that doesn't play with me. Like I want someone to act rational, <laughs> like bring sanity back to the government. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, yeah. You do mention in your piece that uh, she has a problem that uh, she may have uh, picked up from uh, Hillary, which is acting like a man. Why? Why is that a problem? And uh, other than being uh, a warmonger, <laughs> apparently, how is she acting like a man? I mean, it feels to me that sometimes, not all pol- female politicians, but some of them certainly, I feel like, seem to co- try to compensate for the fact that they are actually a woman, to try to act even tougher than a man, to look even, you know, even ballsier. They're going to be even, they're going to out-tough the guys and show the world that, yes, a woman can be strong and tough and call for weapons strikes and missile strikes and, you know, sorties and, you know, I, <laughs> and that's just, you don't want someone in there who's constantly feeling kind of insecure about their gender. You know, I want someone who, and frankly, it could be a man or it could be a woman, but the last thing you want is someone who's trying to prove themselves because they feel inferior because they're a woman. And that's the vibe I get. Yeah, that's and a, Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's just not what you, what you want driving your foreign policy at all. Yeah, and, and what's interesting to me, getting back to Hillary, is that, Hillary uh, Rodham is a product of, uh, not a product of, but she's a, she's like me. She's a baby boomer, and she grew up uh, and went to college during the Vietnam War, and uh, she was kind of a hippie, and and her husband was, uh, you know, a, kind of a it was a draft dodger. It seems kind of funny to me that she has become kind of hawkish, uh, and she would she she seems to be violating her principles. Uh, from when she was a young person telling everybody not to trust anybody over 30. Yeah, I mean, the only principle that runs the establishment on both sides, Democrats and Republicans, seems to be the principle of money. Mm -hmm. And right now, war is a big business. And defense is a multi-billion, trillion-dollar business. Um, You know, when when Afghanistan finally ended, I was relieved. I thought, well, finally, you know, we're not going to have any more, you know, foolish foreign wars. We're going to hopefully not have, you know, young men and women coming home in caskets. Like, I, I can't take it. And it's been 20 years of that. You know, I lived through the whole thing. And lo and behold, right, you know, the minute they walked out of Afghanistan, they went right back into Ukraine. And it just feels like, oh, I, I get it now. I finally re- realized, is it because the defense, the, you know, what they call the military industrial complex, it just it needs to have it needs to be flush with cash. They need to be in the black. And when you're not waging war and you're not being paid to make missiles and sell all the weapons, you know, you're kind of suffering and you have to do layoffs and you might not be able to buy a second house. Um, Nikki Haley lives in a, she went from kind of relative poverty to a gorgeous mansion in Kiowa Island in South Carolina. Um, I just think that's very interesting how these people just suddenly become very, very wealthy defending um, wars. And it turns out, oh, they are actually getting checks 
from defense-related organizations. And so there's some level of corruption there. You know, I don't think the mainstream media really wants to take a deep dive into that because I think a lot of people have their hands in the cookie jar. A lot of people in our Congress, on both both Republican and Democrat, um, and it just really feels like, well, who do we, you know, who, what's left for people who want someone honest? Like, are there any honest people who <laughs> are going to try to just literally, like, prevent Americans from dying? That's all, like, I care about. That's ta- it. I'm, not, I, I'm sorry, go ahead. You know, so we're, we're talking to um, Peachy Keenan. She's a senior contributor to The Federalist and author of The Domestic Extremist, A Practical Guide to Winning the Culture War. You mentioned uh, a cookie jar, and in your piece you say, that uh, Michael Haley, who happens to be uh, Mr. Nikki Haley, uh, he makes a lot of money from a company called Allied Defense. That sounds like a company that might be interested in making sure that there's a need for defense equipment. Yeah, it's very interesting. And there's been literally no uh, media coverage. I've never even seen his face in any of the debates or any of the coverage. They don't travel together. Usually candidates you know, they go public with their spouses. You see you see who they're married to, for better or worse. You know their names. I feel like I know all the other candidates' spouses' names, but not hers. I had to kind of dig around and find out, well, who is this guy? And, I, yeah, I just she, he's some kind of defense contractor, you know, lobbyist. I'm not really sure. It's sort of unclear. But there's really no attention being paid to it and why she's running um, and what her intentions are. Now, look, does she have a chance to win? Like, absolutely not. Luckily, people are <laughs> people. There are a lot of people like me who kind of see through her. But it's just this sort of attitude that's pervasive in the establishment. It's almost like a uniparty. I mean, she's not even a neo neoconservative anymore. She's really just a neoliberal. And I'm just looking, you know what I want? I want someone who's going to close the border, get inflation down and stop involving us in foreign wars. I mean, that's really that's really it's not a lot to ask. I mean, that's what I want for Christmas. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I, I, as you said, I don't think too many people out there know, and I don't get the feeling the media have been asking about uh, Michael and being involved in the in, the, in a company called Allied Defense. There, there's, uh, as you said, he's he's kind of uh, invisible. Yeah, and look, I'm not like an investigative journalist. I don't live in D.C. Yeah. I'm not going to go sniffing around. I mean, I would love some intrepid journalists to do a deep dive on her. Um, and get to the bottom of it. I mean, you know, we're still kind of waiting for people to get to the bottom, of course, on Hillary Clinton and her, you know, all her contacts and her email server in the bathroom or whatever. I mean, it just feels like, it feels like people could get away with anything um, if they're kind of well-known enough. And I, I don't know. I mean, is it too much to ask for a little pinch of accountability here and there? And then and we can kind of vet candidates properly for once, you know, in this country. Um, it's, it's uh, it's it's nerve rattling to think that, about her at the levers of power. Does she uh, qualify as a uh, swamp creature then? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think absolutely, and I think you know she was more than happy to take her assignment at the UN from Donald Trump, and then she was more than happy to trash him when it suited her interests. Um, she's sort of a fair weather friend of of Trump and his allies, and you know this is just another case of an establishment Paul who's just going where the wind blows. And, and following the money. And it's just, I mean, if you want to get rich quick, go get a job in Washington. That's just, that's number, I don't know why even waste time, like going to college and trying to find a career. That's what you need to do, kid. Forget law school, forget med school. You got to go to Washington, become a deep state lobbyist, and you will, you too will have your mansion. 
Well, why, while I have a couple of minutes left here, uh, I want to ask, you had, we had you on, I think, when your book came out, uh, right. Domestic Extremist, A Practical Guide to Winning the Culture War. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you just give us a quick um, Cliff Notes version of what the book is about? Yeah, Remember I wrote Cliff the book Notes, because... by the way? <laughs> I do. I loved, I, I sometimes relied on Cliff Notes, believe yeah. me. Um, yeah, I wrote the book because I am a convert from kind of liberal pro-choice feminism, and I became a you know, political conservative and a social conservative, and I converted to Catholicism, and I had a bunch of kids here in Los Angeles, and I started to feel like I was being treated like I was some sort of extremist, you know, for being someone who wanted to stay home with my babies, wanted to have more than a few kids, someone who, you know, believed in God. Like, I felt like I was, I was treated like a traitor to my class, to my kind of pro-choice feminist peers. And so I thought, well, you know, I'm not a domestic extremist. I'm just extremely domestic. And that's where the, the idea of the book came. It's, a, it's basically a, a takedown of, of feminism and what feminism has caused women to lose and to lose touch with. You know, their kind of maternal side, their, their instinct as women. And that's the kind of how-to of how to, how to lean in to your domestic extremism and, and things not to do and how to reject feminism. And so it's been sort of like a morale booster to women like me who feel kind of alone, you know, in this sort of mainstream feminist culture. Yeah, so you you are an actual domestic extremist, but you <laughs> but you're talking That's about right. the domestic life, right? The domestic life. I'm extremely domestic. That's exactly what that means. You know, we believe in our movement is a movement of peace. We have nothing to fear from us unless you fear. You know, monogamous married couples with lots of children. <laughs> I, I, you believe you live out in California, right? I sure do. Yeah, I just saw something today. Let me find it here uh, real quick. I, as long as I have you here, uh, you, I don't know if you've seen this story. This is from um, I saw it on Hot Air. Um, it's about uh, a coming out National Coming Out Day, and it's going to be celebrated. All students in L.A. Uh, they're going to have be practicing or, or celebrating coming out day, and I guess it's uh, even like little kids, six year olds, coming out to their real identities. That's what's going on out there. What the, what's going on out there, California? When are you yeah. going to put an end to that stuff? I did see that. I'm actually writing a new piece for the Federalist about that. Um, okay. The Los Angeles Unified School District is as far left as you can get. Although this has been happening for a while. Last spring, a friend of mine who sends her six-year-old son there's a special education class at her local public elementary he has down syndrome and there's a program for children like him and there was a pride month assembly and they forced the special education children to go the children with down syndrome and and they basically had a coming out ceremony and they told all the children you can come out to us you don't have to tell your parents we're here for you they had therapists coming out and talking to the little kids about what happens if they, they can be any gender they want. Here's their options. If you're bisexual, talk to this teacher. If you're queer, talk to this one. And here's her son with no, they had no warning. There was no announcement to the parents. And here she happened to be there that day. And here's this little class of literally like six-year-old children with Down syndrome <laughs> being presented with all of this information that they didn't understand. And just like, are you literally grooming children with Down syndrome now? Oh, yeah, you are. That, that is where they're going. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's pretty scary what's going on. I'm glad you're writing about it, uh, Peachy, and um, I hope to have you back on the show again. But uh, boy, it's just I, I I would I just wish that California would secede from the union, and not, oh, nothing man. personal against you, but you know that would be nice. Well, 
Lucky, lucky for, lucky for, for me, we're getting rid of our governor, Governor Newsom. But unluckily for everyone else, I think he has a great chance of being president. Yeah, that's terrifying. Well, maybe we'll talk about <laughs> that down the road. I appreciate it. For, I appreciate right. you coming on. Thanks a lot. Okay, and that is Peachy Keenan, domestic extremist, a practical guide to winning the culture war. We'll be right back. Well, uh, interesting. We had that conversation with Nikki Haley, um, and I just just following up on that. Uh, not Nikki Haley, <laughs> Peachy Keenan about Nikki Haley, um, and we were talking for a second there before she left about National Coming Out Day, and she described it. It's the uh, Los Angeles school district, which is just just insane. No, I don't think any sane person should ever allow their kid to go to school in Los An- to a public school in Los Angeles. But just to give you an idea. This is um, National Coming Out Day. It's October 9th to the 13th. It's called a Week of Action. It's part of the Week of Action in elementary schools. And uh, there's a toolkit that you get, okay? Now, this is, um, this is elementary school, okay? I don't know. I guess that's just first to sixth. After that, it becomes middle school. So what, first grade to, to sixth grade, six, seven years old, up to about 11 or 12. So this is what you'll find in the toolkit. An identity map activity prepares students to think critically about identity and intersectionality. Now, I'm trying to think of when I was in third grade and one of the nuns at St. Bernard's school telling, uh, saying that kids, we're, we're going to learn today about identity and intersectionality instead of, you know, diagramming sentences or doing multiplication tables. Uh, also in the toolkit, you'll find an art project. That's scary to think what that would be. Prompts for writing or class discussion. This is now, remember, for elementary. Daily quotes, which can be read during school, school-wide announcements, or in class at the start of each day. Uh, these are obviously going to be quotes that uh, are somehow related to coming out, whatever that means at that stage of your life. Monday to Friday daily suggestions. So every day you're going to get you know something to use uh, for that day in school as a theme, which would include brief biographies of an important LGBTQ plus person or advocate to spotlight. That's uh, so instead of teaching them how to read or do math, and I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm going to guess that the Los Angeles public schools are as bad as schools everywhere else when it comes to test scores on, you know, meaningless things like that. But they'll be, you know, if they go home, they can tell their parents about some important LGBTQ plus person uh, that they learned about in school today. There'll be inclusive lesson plans. I can let you imagine what that means. And then the book, uh, a book was involved in the toolkit, and it should be available in the school library. And then there's the sample allyship pledge and then other other resources that's that's the um, national coming out day in uh, in LA and it just gets worse and worse every day the, the more the stuff you'd think if it you know when it was when it was kind of out there but people weren't talking about it on a national level you maybe could see how it would go on for a while how do how does any parent, know that this is going on at their school with their second grader and, and, and put their kid on the school bus and send them there knowing that that's, what, that's what's waiting for them there. 
It's it's um, it's it's amazing. They're 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 starting it in first grade. Let me just see what I have here for National Coming Out Day, which is uh, starts next uh, Monday. Monday, uh, this is the they're going to talk about Jazz Jennings, is an American YouTube star, spokesmodel, television personality, and LGBT rights activist. She is also the inspiration for the nationwide event Jazz and Friends National Day of School and Community Readings. This is this is the, this is what they're going to do in school with uh, with first graders, and the lesson will be introducing gender. K through two could be a. This is official now. This is not somebody writing about this. This is official. The lesson is introducing gender. K through second grade could be adapted for three through five. Uh, the activity it says here: which outfit and which hairdo? <laughs> here, here's the book for Monday. This is you send your you send your uh, your your little first grader to school. You know, they used to go there and they'd come home with some, some something they colored in school or they'd come back and, and tell you that they learned how to add 2 plus 2 or, you know, read some new words or something, whatever you learn in first grade. This is the book for Monday. You ready? Julian is a Mermaid by Jessica Love. That's a, that, This is what you're – the taxpayers are paying for this. You send your second grader to school to read about Julian the Mermaid. It's it's beyond belief that this goes on. Uh, let me see what else they have. Um, on uh, Wednesday, the book is Be Who You Are by Todd Parr. I don't know who that is. Oh, and Wednesday, the person is Elliot Page. I think you remember who that is. Uh, it's a woman who's now a man. A Canadian transgender actor, he was featured on the cover of Time in March 2021, becoming the first openly trans man to do so. He has received several accolades during his professional acting career. He's also, she, I should say, has disappeared. When she was a she and appearing as a she, she was doing pretty well in movies, you know, doing okay. As far as I know, nobody wants to look at him as a him, and he's not doing any movies, but... The lesson activity for grades through three five is I am me. Let's see what else we got here. That's uh, Thursday doesn't look too uh, interesting except Lashia Clarendon is a WNBA star athlete who announced in 2015 that they identify as black, gay, female, non cisgender, and Christian. Now that's K through three. So imagine trying to explain to a kid in kindergarten about Lashia Clarendon identifying as black, gay, female, non-cisgender, and Christian. How do you do that? Um, and uh, I'll go to Friday and finish up here. Uh, Carl Nassib is the person, a defensive lineman in the NFL. And on June 21, he came out on social media as gay. He is the first openly gay active NFL player, and that's the lesson there is for gender stereotyping, K through 2. And the activity is call to action, take a pledge to be an ally, uh, and that's, uh, that's, that's, that's coming out. That's, well, that's the week of action for National Coming Out Day. I don't know what the actual day is that's coming out, but that's what we're talking about. 
Okay, so I just wanted to, you know, because um, I was talking about that with um, with Peachy Keenan, I thought we should run through that. And as I was running through it there, I was seeing more and more that I couldn't believe, and so I couldn't stop. I apologize. But anyway, I, w- I wanted to do this yesterday. I didn't have time. You know, there's a big uh, fight going on now about uh, Matt Gates and whether he did the right thing, and he's being called a terrorist by uh, people like uh, Mark Levin and there, he's there. The, I, I don't know whether what he did is was bad from a, a political strategy standpoint about getting things passed and and uh, you know the, the intricacies of of negotiations within the two parties and the two houses and with the White House and all that stuff and everything that's going on, the stupidity that we hear about every day, and whether you know Kevin McCarthy being out of there is going to make uh, it harder for conservatives to get what they want. I'm not sure if that's all true. But what I don't get is, I, I listened to this, this is about a three-minute uh, piece of uh, tape from from uh, Matt Gates from a couple of days ago, and I listened to it twice, and as I said, it goes on for three minutes. I didn't disagree with anything he said for three minutes. So you do the same. Listen to this, and and maybe uh, maybe somebody can tell me why this guy's bad, but... Sorry, I kind of like them. If you were to move forward, if there were to be any kind of agreement, what would that look like and what would you need to see from the speaker at this moment? I think the die is cast based on the motion I just filed. I think the time for that discussion would have been over the last several weeks, but instead we we saw the speaker continuing. To, I mean, the speaker did not just fail to remediate the breach of the agreement with the, he made with us in January. He accelerated the instances of breach. Like after I laid out the breach, he went and violated the 72 hour rule. After I laid out the breach, he violated the 100 million uh, no amendment suspension rule. So he, he seems to, to be reverting to the very unfortunate muscle memory of Washington, D.C. that has put our nation atop a $33 trillion debt that has led to you know, $2 trillion annual deficits in our near future and the rapid global de-dollarization of the economy. I mean, you look at the BRICS system, you know, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, they're moving away from the dollar. And just in August, they added six new countries, including G20 country, uh, economies in the Western Hemisphere and Gulf monarchies. Uh, moreover, you've see, you saw U.S. News say that the number one economic trend of 2023 is de-dollarization globally. This worries me. You all get all worked up that there's going to be some uncomfortable, chaotic moment that I'll feel pressure from conservatives or Democrats or whomever. I feel the judgment of history. I feel the weight of that. I worry that when the history books are written about this country going down, that my name is going to be on the board of directors here. And if this country's going down and if we're losing the dollar, I am going down fighting. And I don't care if that means fighting Republicans, Democrats, the Uniparty, the leadership, the PACs, the lobbyists. I've had it. I've been here seven years. We don't have a budget. We haven't had one since the mid-90s. I am through with it. I apologize for using that word, but the only path forward here is to have single subject spending bills that can be reviewed, amended, considered. And I think that is the responsible way that our legislatures all over this country operate for good reason. Mr. How many Republicans do you have with you in the House? How do you respond to Kevin McCarthy's claim that this is payback for an ethics investigation? I am the most investigated man in the United States Congress. I have been cleared by the FBI, the DOJ. 
the Federal Elections Commission by a 5-0 vote. It seems that the Ethics Committee's interest in me waxes and wanes based on my relationship with the Speaker. I believe that Speaker McCarthy is trying to signal to the Ethics Committee to pursue me. When I gave my Sunday interviews yesterday, indicating that I intended to file this motion to vacate Speaker McCarthy, hours did not pass before Republicans and members of the Ethics Committee were backgrounding reporters that they wanted to expel me from the United States Congress for bringing a motion to vacate under the rules that we negotiated in January after Kevin McCarthy broke his word. They want to expel me for Congress from that. So you know what? I'm built for the battle. I face down tougher than these folks, and I'll do it again. So what's wrong with what he said? I, I don't. I don't get it. I. I don't. I. Sorry, it was quite a long bite there. I don't disagree with anything. Hey, I. I got lucky here. I've been trying to get a hold of somebody to talk about dogs at the White House, and I just finally heard from him. So I'm going to take a quick break. We're going to talk about. We're going to talk to a guard dog trainer about what's wrong with commander. Stick around. Well, I opened the show today talking about uh, Commander, uh, the president, the uh, the White House dog, or the, the Biden family dog lived, that lived in the White House at least until recently, and I think has been taken out of there. But um, and how just ridiculous it is to have this so many people being bitten by a dog. So I was I tried to get a hold of uh, Bill Whited uh, earlier today to get him on the show, but I finally uh, he called in just a few minutes ago, fortunately, and he's on the phone right now, Bill. Is uh, runs Whited Canine Services up there in my old stomping grounds where I went to college in Portage, Ohio, near Kent. And uh, he's, he joins us now. Bill, thanks for uh, coming on. I'm, I'm glad I got a chance to call you, and I'm glad you were able to call me back. My, my pleasure, John. So here we go. Um, a dog bites <laughs> a, a dog that uh, you are dealing with lives somewhere where it has bitten 11 or 12 people. What do you – What what's – First of all, before you know anything, you hear that there's a family with a German shepherd that has bitten 11 different people. What's your first reaction? Well, before I know anything, yeah, that's a major, major problem. Probably a major problem with the dog, a major problem with the owner. Uh, in this case, I think it's incompetent ownership. I mean, 11 times, it's just it's ridiculous. And then to find out that it's the president's dog, and I'm not normally political, but yet it's basically, in my mind, a reflection of another failed policy, yeah. <laughs> and even an owner of dog. I mean, what you... <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, um, uh, usually, if you if you have a dog, especially a German Shepherd, um, and that dog has bitten a couple of different people, aren't you aren't you inclined to be a little bit more? Uh, conscious Careful. of restri- you need training, professional help. Yes, I, no, I mean, but I've been no, in the business. Yeah. I'm 49. I've been doing this all my life, professionally, about 30 years. I breed German Shepherds. That's my yeah. choice breed, you know. Yeah. And uh, we train dogs for police, for protection, for biting. And none of these dogs are even biting one person inappropriately. So for a dog to bite 11 people, this is insane. The dog needs training. The person needs to stop this from happening. Uh, it, it, it's it's. It's really just incomprehensible that this has happened. And see, that's what I, that's um, what I was getting at when I opened the show, Bill. Is that it's just forget? It's just so stupid. How stupid yeah, do you have to be to allow any? I don't care if it's a Chihuahua, right? Right. And biting, I don't want to get on shepherds. I love shepherds. That's yeah. again, that's my breed. But I work with all breeds, and I mean, one bite, two bites. You got to do something. I mean, you can read the situation, but you just can't let this go on. Um, and then uh, the people that is biting, these are trained professionals. These are secret servicemen. 
I mean, they have dogs in the canine world that are there for sniffing bombs and yeah. whatnot. I mean, this is just, it, it doesn't make sense, honestly. It almost just doesn't make sense. Um, someone should have interceded. Someone needs to take control of this dog. Maybe they have already. Um, whoever is caring for this dog, is it Tim personally, the president, or his aides? This is just, this is incompetent, totally. And this is a bad name for the breed. It's actually, this is terrible for the dog itself. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's always a, a repetitive behavior. They're letting go on. The dog thinks it's just a part of life. He should be corrected, stopped, or taken out of the home, taken out of the White House, taken out of the environment. I think it's not the right environment for this dog. Yeah, I think I think they finally did that, but you know, not until he had bitten eleven or twelve people. That's... Yeah, this is crazy. Yeah. One or two people is almost you know ridiculous. You know, yeah. you have an incident. You need to do something immediately. You need training. You need help. So what Maybe would you can't handle the dog. Maybe you're just too old. You can't handle this dog. Maybe it's just running rampant is what it sounds like. I do see this behavior sometimes, but mm-hmm. 11 times, this is insane. The people in the real world would be sued, of course, you know, for everything yeah, oh, yeah. they own. <laughs> so what's your guess, though, Bill? Why is this dog doing that? What would, you know, I know you'd, you'd have to see it. And... I mean, I looked at photos of the dog. I don't know the whole story. I don't. Yeah, I, I don't right. even keep up on the president. Um, it's a handsome dog. It looks European bred. That's what I have. Uh, there's a trigger wrong. Maybe the dog wasn't socialized, you know, the whole COVID thing. Maybe the dog was kept away from everybody, which you hear a lot these days, you know, and then missed that first window of a year. But in, in, the, in the real world, the dog should have been trained and socialized early on and pinpoint if there was a bad behavior, bad temperament. Maybe there is a quirk in this dog. It's very hard to fix in that realm. Then you need to take it out of the environment, or if it really comes down to it, I hate to say it, but sometimes you might have no other, of course, than to euthanize the dog. But mm-hmm. most of the time, you can train this out of a dog. You can pick up an early on. You don't let it go on for years, and you don't let 11 bites happen. It's just really incompetent. Well, what, um, well what's the, what is it about? Is a, is a German Shepherd more more inclined to do that uh, because he has the the instinct to guard and protect uh, his well, his owner? Any his dog men- with teeth can bite. I mean, a lot of little dogs bite you just don't hear about because yeah. they're littler, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But, yes, German Shepherd notorious for being protective and maybe a little bit territorial, watchful. They can bite for sure, but normally if they're socialized and raised well, I've been doing this like I said, for 30 years, we don't have incidences like this. It just doesn't happen, and these are dogs that are trained to bite. You know, um, I've been called out on dogs that have literally, I mean, bit people bad, you know, face bites, and we've been able to turn dogs around. It takes a lot of time, effort, responsibility, and that was maybe 10 or 12 years ago. The dog lived their whole life without biting another soul. They had professional health. Well, That's what this dog should have got immediately, especially in the White House, you know. like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, 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 Bill, I'm out of time. I wish we could have had All more right, time brother. to talk. I'm up against a hard break. Whited yeah, Canine Services in Portage County. Bill Whited, I really appreciate you calling in. Thanks. My pleasure. Anytime. Okay, we'll be right back. Or will we? No, we won't. I'll see you. I guess I'm done. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.